Yeah. Okay. So we are going and welcome back to another edition of The Doctor Is In. And I'm so excited to have my guest, Rhonda and Sarah. And they are working here in Germany uh, with an organization that helps women in prostitution exit. They have a community-based program. And today we're going to talk about patient advocacy and what it means to help women uh, interface with the healthcare system, with doctors, and, and all that's involved. I mean, their work is, is phenomenal, and uh, I can't wait to hear. I'm very excited. You are going to learn a lot. So a subtitle of this could be, when the doctor is a jerk, how, how do you deal with that? No, not really. Um, but it could, but sometimes it happens, and let's be real. I'm a doctor, so I can... Uh, you know, I can uh, dish on uh, my own profession. But really, sometimes it's just a matter, as, as you'll find out, it's a matter of, of doctors not really knowing how to deal with a situation or when, they're, when they have a woman in this situation in front of them. And sometimes it's ignorance or it's, sometimes it's just their own uh, uncomfortableness about dealing with a patient that's um, a little bit atypical. So we'll, we'll get to it. And so um, I'll... I'll have you, uh, Rhonda, why don't you talk a little bit more about the situation in Germany? Why don't you just set the backdrop of the situation and, and you might, and we'll get into a little bit more about how your organization is, is actually working, uh, with these women, but why don't you, why don't you just set the table for us right now? Okay. Um, many of you may already know or may not that prostitution is legal in Germany and has been for many, many, many years, um, which, yeah, so it's widely accepted here. And many women, this is their profession, but the majority of the women, it is not a profession for them. They're forced into it. There's a lot of violence that goes with it, drug abuse, as you've heard before, those kinds of stories. Um, and it doesn't mean just because it's been in society and it's accepted, it doesn't mean that there's no stigma attached to it. That's the paradox that we have is that it's a legal profession here with all the benefits of um, any profession in Germany, if you qualify for those benefits, um, but still stigmatized hard to get a job, stigmatized in the um, going to hospitals and doctors, which we'll talk about today. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And so we're talking about women who, there's some German nationals in prostitution, but a lot of the women that you're working with aren't, aren't German nationals. They're coming because of the Schengen area, they're able to come freely, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily registered, um, they're not registered in the system, is that right? Um, I would say the majority of them yeah. are not yeah. registered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's just talk about it. what is it, you know, patient advocacy, you know, I'm talking about it is where we're really facilitating. Advocacy is when you're helping someone interface with the system. And in this case, it'll be the healthcare system. And what does that look like? Because you're talking, you know, we're helping women who, may not know German very well, uh, they may not know anything about the system or their rights or anything like that. Um, and so the advocate is really helping speaking with them, sometimes for them, but really 
always at their side. And so maybe Sarah, can you can you just give an overview of like what does that mean to you? You know, what is that? How, what does that look like? Or in a general sense, what is that patient advocacy? You know, what's your role as this, as a social worker? I really like how you said speaking with them and for them. I think it's really both and also the point of language because it's a lot about cultural sensitivity. And I mean, I also don't know everything about their cultures. Um, we work with many different cultural backgrounds, but then to be aware for that. So I have this kind of lens to always have intercultural sensitivity and then ask, okay, how how does the hospital look in your country or how was it to go to a doctor when you were a child and um, bring up that awareness in them to see, okay, maybe it looks different here. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. I think that could be the same. And the other part I have experienced different in Germany. So with them already to build this bridge of, um, yeah, having a new perspective and then also in the place of a hospital or at the doctor's place to um, bring that up so that also the doctor sees, okay, she has experienced a different setting um, and to kind of build that bridge and bring up um, the awareness also for the doctor or the helper in the hospital. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because based on their past history, coming from a different country and different system, they, their expectations may be wildly different than what they're about to experience. And so it's not, it's part of pre preparing them for even the initial visit and exploring like how was their, you know, experiences before, because as I've heard before, that some of the women have been mistreated uh, by doctors in a clinical setting, but also they've had clients, nasty clients that have been uh, doctors or other healthcare professionals. And so that may be extremely triggering for them as well. And so exploring some of their hesitancy, because there's all kinds of barriers that women face to going to the healthcare. Um, you know, it's some of the past abuse, it's fear, language. Can you talk about like some of the barriers that, you know, that women might experience um, in, in, in actually accessing healthcare? Totally, yeah. It, fear is a huge factor of not knowing what um, they expect or what they will um, face in the hospital. Um, I just remembered one situation when one client called me and she said that she's not feeling well and she cannot move, she cannot go to the hospital. And we came to the conclusion that it might be the best to call the ambulance so that um, they will pick her up. And she said, no, I think they, it's way too, or for a long time, she didn't say why she doesn't want to. She just suffered a lot. And she was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then I asked her, how do you um, imagine, does it look like in that ambulance? And she described it as a super unhygienic car. <laughs> like it was nothing like an ambulance looked like in Germany. And I realized, wow, I also wouldn't like to drive with that car nowhere. <laughs> Not especially when I'm sick. And um, yeah, then I talked to her and was like, okay, we have super high standards and probably it looked different. And um, in the end, she didn't took the ambulance, but um, she was ready to go to the hospital. And um, yeah, that really was a moment where I realized 
they had different scenarios in their head. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, are there, so there's, there's fear that, I mean, we discuss languages, uh, not knowing the system, not even knowing like how, 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 how to get an appointment or when to go. I mean, for sure, you know, when there's an emergency and going to, you know, they, they could probably find a way to get to the emergency, but you know, what, what about, you know, them, you know, I know you have to help people access, you know, preventive health care or for minor aches and pains, trying to help them realize that try to get to a doctor before it comes an emergency or before it gets worse or something like that. Um, can you walk me through, maybe offer, you know, some insight or some stories about how you help get them to initial uh, visit, even when maybe they don't see the need or maybe they're really afraid or, or exploring some of those areas? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, like I said before, I think it's really important to talk about the past, the good and the bad experiences, to have a picture of both sides, and then to um, kind of get behind the motivation to find the root in them that wants to go. So building up on the good experiences in their past, and to ask deeper, and also to acknowledge the resistance, to say, okay, right now you don't feel like going there, um, but what if? Mm. What if you continue like this? And what happened last time when you felt like that? Did it get better? Did it get worse? Um, and to kind of play different scenarios out. If yep. you don't go, what happens yep. then? If you go, um, and then to make them aware that it's their choice. Yep. It's not like I am talking them into going because it's yep. sometimes really the best for them, but to really bring up the motivation in them and to show them, okay, you don't have to do anything, but sure. if you want to stay healthy and not go into the bad scenario, yep. then um, let us call together. And often that's the first step to also yep. support them and you're not alone. Yep. You have the choice. That's yep. alone your choice. But then you're not alone in going that way. I will be with you. Yep. And also to give them the space of backing out at any time to say, okay, Maybe you don't want to go now, but what if we make a call and then yeah. you get an appointment? And if you really don't feel like you still have the chance to cancel the appointment. Sure. So sure. it's not like they are um, caught. They always have the choice and right. make them aware about their self-efficiency as well, um, that they are the master of their decision. Really helps often. Um, yeah. So, and also so, to evaluate oh, sorry, go what feels <laughs> oh, go ahead. To evaluate what feels so maybe is it the way to go there which is hard because um yeah, trains are too complicated, or maybe yeah. is it the area where the hospital is where you don't feel comfortable? Is it the fear of a male doctor to really find what yeah. specific part yeah. makes you feel uncomfortable? Yeah. Right. And then maybe to find solutions around that. Of course. Can we maybe um take another train instead of a bus when you're afraid of that? Or can we go there and ask if there's a female doctor yes. who she could talk to? So that often helps to find this yes. little root of fear. Sure, yeah. yeah. And I understand that sometimes you will help them make the call 
or you will make the call, like you won't do it everything for them, but you might make the call at first, like the first time or maybe the first two times you make the call with them. And so you're showing them how things are done and how, how hopefully easy it is. And that maybe next time then they learn how to do it and they say, oh, that's how it's done. And the next time that you're empowering them to make the call themselves, or maybe next time they call, but you're with them, things like that. And then also that you're... Yeah, that's often how we do it. Yes, yes. And so then you're just, it's like really, it's baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Because, you know, sometimes just making that call. I mean, I, you know, I know what it's like to be in a foreign country and then I have to make a phone call, you know, on my own, you know, and, you know, I don't, like, it's uncomfortable for even me. Um, And so, you know, I get that. And, uh, and then... And then also on, then you'll help them go and then you'll actually meet them and, and go with them to the appointment sometime. I mean, if that's what they want and if that's going to help them actually move forward. And then eventually, you know, from what I, from what we've talking, then eventually you're helping them then make those steps, um, on their own. Yeah. 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 It often helps when we have the second call or when she calls to put it, put the speaker loud. So we both are listening and she knows, okay, anytime when I hear mm-hmm. the language is too complicated or the person talks too fast, I can still ask, like, could you please repeat that? Or so she, yeah, it's a really smooth transition. Like you say, those baby steps are super important. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, uh, I mean, it's just a phone call, but still, that I mean, it's a terrifying phone call <laughs> to have to make that sometimes. Um, and, and what I hear you saying now and what I've heard you say before, it's just a matter of a, a patient advocate will slow the process down, right? And you're just making it more humane and making it, you know, for the baby steps and you're slowing down the process so they're not overwhelmed by the whole whole thing of, of doing that. Is that. Is that right? Totally. And I think it's also about making it visible. I had one situation... Uh, in the hospital where um, they said, okay, now we will take some blood. And the client just heard blood and she was like, Sarah, we need to go. (laughs) And I was like, okay, wait, (laughs) we can go. We can go to the hallway and we just drink some water. We talk about it and we told the doctor we need some time. Um, She didn't understand at all because for her, it was just taking some blood. She was like, okay, what's going on? Um, so we went out and drank some water and came back and I asked if they can show us the needle yes. and we had to deal with the client. If the needle is too big, we leave <laughs> and yes. it's fine. Day. <laughs> and I'm, I felt it was pretty big. So I was like, hmm. but the client was, oh no, that's nothing. I can do that. Yes. So it really helped, um, to make things visible. Yes. Also in sense of. Another client right now, she's in an obesity program and um, we have created like a timeline for her week to um, also make it visible her steps like, okay, first I do this, then I do that. And that, yeah, also supports making this complex constructs. Yeah, by exactly. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. slowing things down, concrete to, t- con- you know, making things more concrete. And saying, okay, this is it. And okay, so now they're going to do this kind of exam. And as far as you know, you can say, 
okay, well, you're making an appointment for this. Maybe it's a female appointment with a female exam, and you can say, this is what they normally do, and try to slow it down and 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 things like NSYNC explaining. Well, this is what's, I mean, sometimes it, they can't even imagine what will happen, and sometimes you don't know. Um, but as far as you can, sort of managing those those expectations and saying, yeah, can we see that you know, that was a that was a brilliant brilliant point? Um, because yep, go ahead. I will add that in my experience, that it's really helpful for the client if the doctor tells her beforehand every step that he, that he or she mm -hmm. is doing. Like, okay, now I'm going to put my hand on your on your stomach, and my hand is kind of cold, but and also say, I need to lift up your shirt to be able to yes. do this. Is, is that okay? Um, instead of just doing it, because I think that immediately invokes a, a fear in them. But if they kind of know, like you said, um, Sarah, explaining more and explaining it slowly and step-by-step, step, that really helps them. Yeah. Instead of the doctor just coming in and doing his or her thing, and then it's over. Yeah. Yeah. That's hundred. Also to make it, sorry. No. So to make it personal, I realize it totally helps when the doctor first comes in and says, I'm this person, I'm working here already for a long time. I have treated many people so that it's not this abstract hierarchy of, I do something and you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, but it's more as I'm a person, I am experienced and we are together in this journey of um, treating you, which helps a lot. Yeah, it humanizes the experience. It's human to human that way. The doctor introduces him or herself and say, yes, I am this person and, and you are so-and-so. And yeah, yeah that's wonderful. And Go Sarah, ahead, you had a You had an experience recently where a doctor was thankful that you were there to advocate <laughs> for your patient. Yeah, tell, tell yeah it was that. interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it was, um, yeah, we were, we were in the hospital and we waited for a long time and all this waiting, which is also a major um, hindrance for many clients where just all the nervousness comes up. Um, and she became, yeah, super nervous and she moved a lot in the waiting room and people watched at us and we were taking walks and so on. And when we entered the room, she was at a point where um, she talked very loud and in an aggressive voice. And I, knowing her, knew that it's fear that she often trans or yeah, transforms this fear into letting it out in a more loud way. And um, he was just overwhelmed and didn't really know how to talk to her. <laughs> and we were talking together to her um, what she's afraid of or why she's talking so loud. And I asked her, okay, what do you really feel like? Um, I know you're talking loud, but we can, we can hear you well. And then she was like, I think I'm afraid. And then the doctor said, yeah, I'm afraid too, because you're talking so loud to me. <laughs> and that was kind of a breaking point where we all had to laugh because we were all three like, okay, we are in the same place. And that broke it down. Yeah. Um, and then she cracked some jokes and so on. And in the end, when we walked out, the client was already, she took a little happy dance walking out. 
<laughs> it was really a good experience. And um, yeah, then the doctor came to me and he said, oh, I'm super thankful that you've been there and kind of clarified the situation in the beginning. I wouldn't have known how to handle this because it was new for him. Wow. Yeah, I was surprised too. And it was, yeah, an interesting experience. That's, that's powerful. That's, that's really powerful, really, because I mean, you've touched that doctor, or that woman, actually, your client actually touched the doctor, and had the doctor then was transformed a little bit. And maybe next time, you know, with another patient, maybe not the same circumstances, he's, he's going to remember that and saying, mm -hmm. okay, I've been here before. Maybe this is a similar situation. That's, that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to, what I wanted to ask, do, are the women you're, you're working with in general, what is, do they have a generally good, generally poor, generally neutral um, interaction with healthcare system? I mean, they talk about their fear of going to the doctor and some of those other barriers, but once they're actually there, I mean, what's your sense of of the things that you've heard them say about sort of their interaction and their experiences? Um, yeah, I think all the assumptions they have before from their home country, they um, yeah have a lot of stereotypes in their head what, what it looks like and to really make the first step of, okay, I acknowledge that, but maybe it's not the same. Sure. And you can okay. tell them how it looks like and they have to see it themselves to really, yeah. Um, yeah, to give them the freedom of, we just go into it and we go yeah. out again, but you check out how the, like, how the hospital looks like or sure. yeah, if you're good or not. And then um, the simple thing of direction. I mean, even I have it when I go into a hospital, there are tons of rooms, everything is wide tons of many doors many people running around there's this tension mm. because people are like, it's not a place where you feel comfortable no and then you go in and you have to find your way mm. and i think that's the first point yes. of where do i have to go who do i have to talk to um and to kind of normalize that feeling yeah. i really yes. helps go into that place and we are both like well where do we have to go now yeah <laughs> to show okay I'm German and exactly. it's not easy. And right. It's totally normal. That's that right. When you're not speaking this language fluently and you're not used to the space, that it's even more um, unknown or uncomfortable. It's totally normal to yeah, break that down and take away their um, their inner judgment of I yeah. should or that's right. Should. And then to normalize asking also yes. to go with them to the receptionist and say we are here and we need this where do we have to go how does it work um yeah and to also give them space to ask further questions and often they really have questions which are way better than mine <laughs> yes <laughs> like, yeah good point <laughs> how do we figure that out later it's yeah. great um yeah, yeah. That's and great. Then also to normalize breaks, I think, mm. like, like you say, to slow down and to ask often because sometimes I think they don't realize that a break could help. Um, in contrast, mm. often I felt like they wanted to rush through it, like, can you please do it faster and we can leave, like this flight instinct. Um, and to say, okay, keep, 
maybe we just take a break and breathe and maybe you call someone you feel comfortable with um, and then we go back in again to bring down the nervousness level a little bit and yeah, it helps also. That's fantastic. Do you have anything else you want to add there, Radha, or any other stories or ideas come to mind? I mean, I have some stories, but I think yeah. they'll come in later. Yeah, sure. Well, anytime. Sarah, yeah. I do one thing, Sarah, as far as patient advocacy, have you come across um, any prejudices as you take these women who their skin's a different color, they look different, um, they don't speak the language. Have you had any feelings of that as you talk with the doctors or even the reception people that you first meet? Have you come across that at all? Um, I often experience that the people start talking to me rather than to the client. And then I'm often referring to the client and telling her, like, um, you know that better than I do. Mm. Um, it's more, I mean, they are the professionals about their pain. I don't, I cannot tell how it feels or how they cope in their day. So to, yeah, um, break that barrier of knowledge or the language gives me power because I have less barriers in that field, but still to um, make people aware, receptionists and so on, that when they speak slow and easy language, that they have to break down their power and still talk to that person. Because otherwise it's a really unhealthy dynamic that we are having a fast conversation about the client who doesn't understand it. And we are missing out on her information, which is the most important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so often to refer back the questions to the client, even if they don't have answers in some moments, that's fine as well, but to figure it out yeah. together. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did, I did have one really terrible experience with a client in a hospital. Um, she was taken to the hospital and um, another social worker and I went to the hospital, not with her, but after she had already been admitted, uh, after our work was finished um, and she had already been there several hours. And even just our first interaction with the nurse and the reception people it, about her was very bad. And, and when we got to the room, we were just shocked because she was not able to get up out of bed. And so they, they had just left her there for hours with no food. She wet her bed because she couldn't go to the bathroom. No one had checked on her for hours. And so we went to the nurse and said, you know, what's going on here? This is really bad. This is ridiculous that, that you're not caring for her. And her comment was, oh, you know, it's just these prostitutes and drug addicts that come in here. She can just wait. And I, I was just shocked because she had this and and this woman was not a drug addict. Yes, she was in prostitution, but she was not a drug addict. And so she said, I'll just be there when I can. I have other patients. And so we went and we waited and waited and waited. And then um, we started opening cabinets and finding bed sheets and changing her clothes for her. And I mean, in American hospital, you'd never be able to do that. They'd probably be locked. 
but in this German hospital, um, those cabinets were open. And so we yeah. just took things into our own hands and yeah, she was not, not treated well there at all. Yeah. Well, good for you for taking charge. Now, what came of that? I mean, any formal complaints or did you talk to supervisor or, or did you just kind of let it go or, or, you know, just walk us through how the follow-up of how you handle a situation like that? Yeah. I mean, we talked, finally, we were able to talk to the doctor that was in charge and he was also just very nonchalant, very busy, rushing through it. And, you know, yeah, nothing, nothing really came of it afterward. Mm. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's really but then unfortunate. We've had really good experiences as well. Like yeah. what Sarah said of doctors who were very careful and explained things as they went along and they were open and kind. Yeah. And I think you, you experience that in every country. Sure. Not just here. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just about being prepared for how you handle it. Because also you're not only, you know, you're not only modeling um, how to, you know, you're interfacing with the, the healthcare staff and this whole system, but it's how to handle situations like that too. And yes. where, I mean, you're, because you're modeling a behavior that, you know, that, you know, it would be so easy, man, if I was in that situation. Oh, well, I have been in situations and I, I tend to lose it a lot quicker than you probably, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, you're also, you know, you have to model how, how you're handling a, a difficult situation as well as being, you know, forceful and doing what you can. But in the end it's like, okay, well, yeah, fighting for those, you know, fighting for the rights. Now, speaking of that, uh, did you have anything to add on that, Sarah? No, okay. You know, I was going to, uh, you know, there's issues about confidentiality and form consent or, or things like that. Have you had any experiences, bad or good, about having to deal with that? Because, you know, the client, your client is the patient, you're the advocate. Often you are present with them and, and sometimes you're actually present there in the doctor visit or when the doctor is going over... Um, you know, certain procedures, sometimes you're not, but can you give us any, you know, insight or experiences about how you've had to deal with this or when the, when maybe your client's been asked to sign something and she doesn't understand. And again, like you said, there's tends to be like a rush procedure because, you know, the hospital has to, you know, they, they want your consent because they want to do this procedure or they want to do this test or something like that. Do you have anything you know, to offer for that or, or any ideas? In sense of confidentiality, I realized during the process, um, often doctors just not always explain, but often they explain and just do it instead mm -hmm. of, okay, we could do this <laughs> and then we could do this and that could help mm -hmm. or this helping part misses out completely. Why are we even here? It's more like, okay, this is going to happen um and to slow that down and say okay we have understood this and then to talk to the client of are you okay with this um yeah. and to go back to her that she still has the choice yeah and i realized that calms and calms many women down mm -hmm. a lot because they realize okay i can still go <laughs> and then mm -hmm. they consciously make the decision many times of no i stay and it's not like they have to because they said I stay and they said they are going through the process. 
And it was interesting in one visit at the hospital, I asked that only once because, um, yeah, I was just like, okay, thank you for explaining that um, and talk to the client. Are you okay with this? Did you understand fully what's going on? And she was like, uh, yes. And then the doctor was like, oh yeah, actually it's a good point. You don't even have to do that actually. <laughs> um, and then he started checking in every single time he explains something um, yeah. if she wants to do that yeah. and it built up a great relationship between the client and the, it was the helper of the doctor um, yeah and they also had a lot of jokes in between that because it opened up the conversation and not only the procedure but more this interaction of yeah. things going on in the process right um it was more people-oriented than process-oriented, I would say. Yeah, well, what a concept in modern healthcare <laughs> <laughs> to have it be oriented to the patient, you know, that is a person. Um, yeah, but that's often, you know, I found that the case in, you know, my experiences and often asking the patient just to, when it's especially important, like, do you understand? Can you sort of summarize? Can you you know, what I've just said, you know, so that I make sure that you understand what's going on because it's, there's this cultural boundary expectation. There's the, the language barrier sometimes, or sometimes like you meant, like you just said, like you say blood and then their brain shuts off, you know, fear shuts off their brain and they don't hear anything after that. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, the, the doctor or the nurse might be explaining something, but they're not taking it in because they're just stuck on blood. <laughs> and, and then, and then, and, you know, she might be embarrassed or something and just say, okay, yeah, I understand. And just say yes to try to agree or try to get out of there as soon as possible, you know, or just to end the situation. And so, like you said, it's, I think it's important to understand, um, you know, what, you know, they understand what they're, what's going through. You know, I've, I've told this story before about, you know, I might have a patient refuse an HIV test. And so they'll tell like the initial interviewer, the one who's doing the, the uh, voluntary counseling, uh, giving the information. And they'll say, no, refuse this test. And I'll say, so why did you refuse the test? And it was, uh, you know, to your point, well, I'm afraid of needles. Well, can I show you the needle? You know, this eensy bincy tiny needle that just pricks your finger like, oh, I can handle that. And it's just a matter of of just taking the time just to not take, I mean, of course, we should take no for no, but sometimes you realize that, you know, maybe their no is a no because they just didn't understand what was going on. And that taking a little bit more time, as you have said, to slow the process down and to inquire and make sure and then have them repeat back like, okay, this... I do understand what's going to be done to me or not done to me or, or, or sometimes I think that maybe you've realized that, oh, well, we should do this, but we don't have to do this now, you know, because sometimes everything's like, you know, in the hospital, everything is pressure and, and hyped up and they're talking about them wanting to do a certain kind of exam or another test and wait, 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 you know, perspective. Oh, you mean... We're going to schedule this in two weeks. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> okay, then schedule it, you know, and then give her some time to think about it and actually get her mind around 
coming back again, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and just slowing it and, and being concrete as far as, you know, the procedure, but as also concrete as far as time and time frame and things like that. So it's so, it's so important. Um, the topic of confidentiality. You know, yeah. I have had a couple of situations um, with our safe house <clears throat> of having to call the ambulance to, yeah, because a woman was very, very ill. And the a couple of women suffered from really some serious mental health issues, but they would not give me permission to share that with the healthcare workers or the ambulance, the people who came with the ambulance. And so, you know, they, I felt they needed to know this mm. information about her Yeah, because yeah, it, it would have affected their yes. diagnosis or their treatment of her, but because she said, no, yeah. you are not allowed to, to tell this. Yeah. It put me in a really difficult position. Yeah. And so how that ended up is she went to the hospital. She was there for several days and um, they themselves recognized yes. that she was not healthy yes. emotionally and, and mentally healthy and called um, a psychiatrist and a social worker in from the hospital. Um, and then, yeah, she was able to explain that her, um, herself. But okay. yeah, that, that was a tough yeah. position for me. Right. Right. And, and, and there's no, you know, I just want to emphasize, there's going to be a lot of situations where there's no easy answers and, and it's not going to be easy at all. And it's going to be unresolved. And sometimes it just ends up a little messy. Um, and, and then we really have to abide by those wishes yeah, of the Sure. Parents. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because that's your trust. That's your primary relationship. And you just pray that the doctors are smart enough to figure out what's going on. And in this case, they were, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, because that's, yeah, because that relationship between you and the client is, 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 is very important. And the doctors, you know, can figure it out or not, or at least not further harm her. So, yeah, that's really, really good. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe you can share... You know, you've seen some women grow in this process too, right? Um, where they've been able, you know, to kind of take charge and or saying, "Oh yeah, I've got this." Rhonda, you're nodding your head. Can you sh can you share a story about um, mm -hmm. Again, one of your in women? Our, in our safe house, we had a woman come to us pregnant, and. Um, with gestational diabetes. So she was already pretty much at high risk. And our social workers, just like Sarah <clears throat> talked about, walked with her through that process of first they called and then they would put it on speakerphone and the woman would talk with the social worker asking, do you understand that word? Um, helping the person on the other side, the doctor's office understand as well. Um, that the woman wasn't understanding what they were saying. Mm -hmm. So advocating for her in that way. And yeah, she grew to the place where she had her baby and then her baby had to go to pediatrician, you know, and yeah, she grew so to the point where she was doing it all, all by herself at the yeah. end. And yeah, that was 
really good to see how she felt empowered to do that. And then to also advocate for yes. her child. Yes, yes, yes. She, in the beginning, was felt <clears throat> that she was the victim and someone needed to advocate for her. And through the the example that our social worker gave her and made her stronger and more empowered, then she was able to just step into that role for her child. And that yeah. was really, really good to see. That is... That's wonderful. That's, that's, yeah, that's powerful. I mean, because then you've changed the life of the mother who's then impacting uh, the life of her child for, you know, in a positive way, very positive way. That's, that's beautiful. Um, So I want to go back to you and, you know, you're talking about how you see yourself as the social worker and, and the roles of the social worker in this. Um, can can you talk a little bit about you know where you see your role as far as you know working with the clients and then but also in the big in the big picture to change system it, that was I want you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, so during my studies in social work, that was one of the main topics of discussion and foundation of social work, where we talked a lot about the double mandate of social worker to on one side focus on the individual to reintegrate them into the system or society and on the other side to change society so that it's possible to integrate people actually to yeah work on both sides to bring them together um, and in theory it sounded great to me change <laughs> the system and support people and now in practice i realize yeah we work a lot with individuals and we work really people-centered um but then i often feel like i totally lack um situations or possibilities and time to mm-hmm. also change the system it's yeah. a huge thing that to have some ways of speaking out and speaking up for people so that structures change and we are not constantly just trying to change people Hmm. um, or individuals and I feel like in this hospital moments or when we're at doctors those are those little moments where um, we can speak up and we can slow down processes and kind of break their habit as well and Mm -hmm. I think their habit might function super great with 80% of people and 10% maybe don't speak up or don't have a social worker or anyone else who advocates for them. And maybe 5% are super tough and speak up. But um, to really use these places where many people come and go every day um, to make them aware a little bit um, yeah. that it's, it's not um, yeah, a mechanic process but yes. really a human to human interaction like we said before yeah um mm-hmm. yeah to bring this transparency in and that's often i go out um very empowered as a person and social worker as well because i feel like yeah that was a great conversation or when this doctor came back and i yeah. realized wow i didn't really have this plan or vision to do anything there but to just be with the client um but then to get this feedback yeah. that um yeah he he had a shift in his perspective as well through yeah. the client and yeah. the whole experience um 
Yeah, and sometimes even I am challenged by that. I remember a situation in a hospital where I've been waiting for a long time and the client was talking on the phone super loud because she was nervous and she needed to talk to someone. And then she walked around a lot. In the beginning, I felt like, okay, can we please sit down and be quiet? That's the way out how I have been socialized mm -hmm. and which is useful to some extent. But then to realize as well, okay, there were also children who were super loud and there were moms talking with each other and so on to create a space for that as long as no one is seriously injured or um, disturbed by it to create space to let this person be different to have yeah. a different background and um yeah to kind of balance that out um and the reward <laughs> kind of the road because she while we've been waiting she also talked to the person at the reception and she kind of connected to this person because she was like and I can leave anytime right it's not like you're closing the store I can still leave <laughs> it's like okay but as he seemed to enjoy this conversation it's just like okay it's funny and um in the end when we went out um he kind of gave her a high five when she left because she did it and then she was doing this little happy dance and he joined in yeah so that was yeah. super unusual but if she wouldn't yeah. have had this unusual behavior in the beginning yep. we wouldn't have had this great moment in right. yeah. Yes. yeah and to create space for this weirdness or this that's right ordinary behavior which can also bring along a lot of beauty for other people exactly because you just normalize that everyone is a little bit weird <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and you create space for other people to be a little bit weird you create space for other people to be their own kind of weird and to deal and to deal with the stress of having to be in a hospital waiting room i mean because people are dealing with stress differently and and uh making and sure just a letting not, that be normal behavior for that reception person to do a happy mm. dance at the end and high five so yeah that's a very cool story. So, I mean, you are changing the system one individual at a time. You know, one receptionist, one doctor, one nurse, and of course, uh, the women that you're working with as well. So, yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, man, any, do you have anything else that's popped into your mind that you want to share? I think this is a really great place to end, but I mean, it's, we don't, I don't want to leave anything hanging that you're burning to share with people. No. Well, if you think of something later, we'll have you we'll 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 have you back on. But I, I do want to mention though that I do have for those of you maybe if this is new or if you're just getting into this or if you're wondering how um, how you can be a better patient advocate as a social worker or working with um, women or boys or anyone in, in this um, in this intersection. I do have a, a, a bridge guide. It's called Bridge uh, Between Health and You. And it's a handout that has a lot of pointers about how to get started, how to prepare your client for a hospital visit, uh, how to help them you know, get empowered, uh, how, to, how to help them manage for the first visit and then follow-up visits and prepare for those, those hospital visits. And so if you are interested, then uh, please um, leave a comment below or email me or 
uh, somehow get in touch and uh, I'll make sure that you can get that. But now we'll just we'll just wrap up. And it's been a delight uh, to have you guys on. It's you guys are brilliant. You guys are absolutely brilliant and beautiful. And I love to talk to you anytime. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, and if any of you uh, have a question for Rhonda or Sarah, then we'll um, you get in touch with me and I can uh, pass the message on to them. How's that? Great. All right. Well, we'll see you around here next time. The doctor is in. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.